Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. For all the super wine geeks out there, we have a special new series dedicated to you. We are reading excerpts from our new edition of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0. Wine lovers, tune in for your weekly fix only on Italian Wine Podcast. If you want to own a copy of this new must-read Italian wine textbook, just go to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the book. I'm your narrator, Marco, and today we will continue with the Italian wine regions. Today it's time for Tuscany, Toscana, historical background. Tuscany is perhaps the most well-known region in the world. For the Etruscans, it was Tuscia. For the Italians, it is Toscana, and for the rest of the world, it is simply Tuscany. In whatever language you pronounce it, Tuscany always conveys a profound sense of artistic opulence and natural beauty. Tuscany represents the very epitome of the La Bella Vita, of an italic style that in its landscape and its food and its wine represents something timeless. It blends history, tradition, landscape, environment, and the art of the savoir-faire that has always fueled its economy. Tuscan viticulture could not help but to be influenced by all this, so much so that wine has always been a pillar of the region's socio-economic system, from the Etruscans who based their economy on it, to the Romans who administered it for centuries, up to the more recent feudal lords who oversaw its production for generations. The history of viticulture in the region can be traced back to the 8th century BC, when the presence of Vitis vinifera was documented in Etruria, the ancient region that now includes Tuscany. By the end of the 7th century BC, an important wine export business was flourishing throughout the region and in two neighboring areas. A profitable trade endured throughout the Roman period until the end of the 3rd century BC, when there was a sharp decline in fortunes with the spread of large agricultural estates known as latifundia and work by slaves that shaped not only Tuscan wine production, but the entire Italian agricultural economy for the next two centuries. After the decadence of the Roman Empire, production suffered a downturn that lasted until the early Middle Ages, surviving thanks only to the monastic orders that in the 12th century brought vine cultivation to the heart of Florence, to the great basilica of Santa Maria Novella, which was once almost entirely surrounded by vineyards. Another important contribution to wine growing in the region was made in the late Middle Ages by the great noble families, including the Riccasoli, 
Matsei and Frescobaldi, whose historical fame was linked to the wine they produced and who traded with the most important regional and national markets. This period also saw the birth in Florence of Arte dei Vinatieri, the guild of wine sellers of which the Antinori family was a founding member. The Antinori family winery sold Tuscan wines both in the local markets and to the rest of Europe, as documented by numerous customs bills that survived from the period. Early documentary evidence of many of the grape varieties that are still representative of Tuscan viticulture today dates back to the beginning of the 15th century, including Montepulciano, the various Trebbiani, Malvasie, Aleatici, and Sangiovito. The name of the region's most renowned wine, Chianti, has several possible origins. One of the most credible theories links Chianti to the Etruscan Clante, which means water, referring to the territory known as Colline del Chianti, hills of Chianti, which were a particularly rich source of water. Another theory maintains that the name derives from the Petroneme Clante, the name of an Etruscan family. Certainly, the first document identifying the Chianti wine production area dates back to the 13th century and refers to the foundation in Florence of the Lega del Chianti, an institution set up to regulate administrative relations between the trio of hilltop towns, Radda, Gaiole, and Castellina, who produced a red wine based on Sangiovese. The League adopted a black rooster on a golden field as its coat of arms. The blossoming of the arts, architecture, science, and literature that occurred in Tuscany during the Renaissance and transformed Florence into a global center for art, commerce, and finance also extended its beneficial influences to viticulture, leading to improvements in production techniques and wine quality. The Medici family showed a particular interest in wine, which for the middle and upper classes became a commodity symbolic of wealth and status, as well as an important diplomatic lubricant used to ingratiate Tuscan diplomats in the courts and palaces of rulers throughout Europe. In fact, during the 15th and 16th centuries, Tuscan wines had reached the courts and palaces of England, Holland, Spain, France, and Austria, despite some lingering question marks remaining about certain viticultural practices. In 1716, Grand Duke Cosimo III de' Medici issued the Bando Sopra la Dichiarazione dei Confini delle Quattro Regioni, a proclamation delimiting the boundaries within which the wine of Chianti, Pomino, Carmignano, and Valdarno di Sopra could be produced. This was perhaps the first ever attempt to protect the geographical integrity of a specified wine. But the Grand Duke went further and published a decree with which he established the Nuova Congregazione Sopra il Commercio del Vino, a new body to oversee the production, shipping, protection against fraud and trade of wine. In the mid-18th century, 
the most far-sighted wine growers, encouraged by the newly founded Accademia dei Georgofili, 1753, whose aim was to promote scientifically-based studies, experimented on grape varieties and cultivation techniques, and organized cultural exchanges with other countries, marking the beginning of a new era of viticultural modernization. Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. In the second half of the 19th century, another new stimulus was provided by the arrival of two influential figures in the sector, Baron Bettino Ricasoli and Vittorio degli Albizzi. The former nicknamed the Iron Baron Although very involved in the politics of the nation, first as Gonfaloniere, mayor of Florence, and then as second president of the Council of the Kingdom of Italy, succeeding the Count of Cavour, never lost his interest in viticulture, which he cultivated at the family-owned estate at Castello di Broglio, where he dedicated himself to experimenting with typical Tuscan vines evaluating various systems of vineyards management, vinification, and aging phases of wines. Ricasoli also developed the first codification of Chianti wine, which became known as the recipe for Chianti, which remained substantially unchanged until the institution of the DOCG in 1984. Vittorio degli Albizzi is a less well-known figure in the history of Italian agriculture, but he played a significant role introducing new viticultural methods in the Pomino area. Geomorphology. Tuscany borders Emilia-Romagna to the north and northeast, Liguria to the northwest, Marche to the east, and Umbria to the southeast. To the south, it borders Lazio, to the west, the Tyrrhenian Sea, and the Ligurian Sea in its northern confine. The territory is mostly hilly, 66%, with few flat plains, only 9%, including the Valdarno, the Valdichiana, and the strip of land along the coast that runs almost uninterrupted from Versilia to the Maremma. The remaining 25% of its territory is covered by mountainous relief mainly the Tuscan Emilian Apennines. There are also other mountainous areas in the region that should not be overlooked, including the imposing Apennine Alps, located to the north above Massa and Carrara, and extending eastwards, delineating the western part of Garfagnana. The Colline Metallifere, located between the provinces of Livorno, Siena, Pisa, and Grosseto, the Monte Amiata Massif, divided between the provinces of Siena and Grosseto, and Monte Falterona, from which the Arno, the longest river in the region, has its source. The Tuscan archipelago is also part of the region. 
The island of Elba is the most important, along with the islands of Giglio and Monte Cristo. The highest average annual temperatures are those near the coast of the Maremma, which are around 18-20 degrees. Temperatures tend to increase towards the interior and to the north of the region. On the plains, in the inland valleys, such as in the mid of Valdarno and Valdichiana, summer highs often reach 40 degrees, contrasting with a rather harsh winter lows, sometimes even a few degrees below zero. Precipitation also varies from area to area, being very abundant near the Apennine Mountains, along the west-east axis that goes from the Apuan Alps to the Casentino. Here, the annual rainfall reaches 2,000 millimeters. Along the coastal strip that runs from Livorno down to the Grosseto Maremma, especially on the Argentario, barely 500 millimeters of precipitation per year is reached. This average is very similar to that recorded in the Crete Senesi, Val d'Orcia, and Val di Chiana, where on average 600 700 millimeters per year is reached. From a geological point of view, Tuscany has a significant complexity that merits detailed analysis. During the Middle Miocene, the so-called main compressional phase of the Apennines was completed, resulting in the formation of deposits of rocks derived from the evaporation of marine basins, the alabaster of Volterra, and the clade with chalk on the coast. Further inland, within the lake basins, clays and lignite beds are deposited. In the Valdessa and Siena areas, there are Pliocene formations of clays and marine sandy clays that, a little further inland, give rise to the characteristic landscape of the Cretesenesi interrupted by gullies. Turning our attention to the areas of viticultural interest, wine growing in Tuscany has developed in two main areas, the Machinio zone and the Playa Pleistocene sandy clay zone. The areas north of the Arno, the Apuana, Lunigiana, and Upper Versilia are areas that have not favored vine growing because of the morphology of the steep slopes, but there are some exceptions, such as the lower hills of the Lucchesia, the Pistoia area, the area on which the Colli of Luni Appalachian gravitates, which is located on the soils of the Ligurian Stadium, black Cretaceous schists, and strips of Machigno, and the area of the Candia dei Colli Apuani DOC between Massa and Carrara which is characterized by ancient soils of the Tuscan stratum. The vineyards are located on south-facing hillsides with well-trained clayey arenaceous machigno or gravelly sandy Villafranchiano soils. In central Tuscany, the Chianti Classico area lies in the hilly area between Florence and Siena, delimited by the Valdarno to the east the Elsa Valley to the west, the Pesa River to the north, and the Arbia River to the south. This area, young in formation, is heir to ancient ridges where soils rich in Albarese, Galestro, 
rocky sediments, sand and silt intertwine. The center of the area is the ridge of the Chianti Mountains that rise to 800 meters above sea level in the northern part, sloping more gently southward when they meet the Ombrone and Orcha valleys. This area gives rise to numerous Chianti wines from the most elegant, those produced on soils with little clay and silt, to those with more structure whose wines are grown on soils rich in cytic clay. Soils are so varied, even within a few hundred meters of each other, which can have a profound effect of the resultant wines. Beyond the Creti Senesi lies the Brunello di Montalcino, an area that is not particularly vast, but has a variety of different soil types, rich in marl, palombine, clay and lake and marine sands. Continuing on the Val d'Orcia and Val di Chiana, where the Vino Nobile di Montepulciano appellation extends, one encounters homogeneous soils consisting of clays and sands from the Pliocene marine era. Nor does the coastal strip have any geological uniformity. Here, various Ligurian soil components are mixed and alternated with those of the Tuscan strata and the mild maritime climate, and the stony, well-drained and mineral-rich soils has created ideal conditions for the vineyards, even if the high temperatures, with which remain constant during the ripening of the fruit, do not always help to give finesse to the wines. However, there are many appellations present, starting with the Pisan wine-growing areas, where the Chianti subzone Colline Pisane DOCG, Monte Scudaio DOC, Bulgari DOC, Val di Cornia DOCG, El Baleatico Passito DOCG, Elba DOC, and Monte Reggio di Massa Marittima DOC mainly gravitate. In southern Tuscany, beyond the alluvial plain of the Ombrone near Grosseto, there are soils very similar to those of maritime Tuscany. However, one must also consider the important presence of volcanic rocks from the Monte Agnata and further south the Vulcini volcanoes. The Ansonica Costa dell'Argentario DOC and Morellino di Scansano DOCG appellations extend into this area. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chin chin.